Hello, everyone, or anyone listening later. <laughs> Welcome to our first mini-sode. So what we're going to do in these is we're going to post the main episodes on Mondays, and then we were thinking we would do on Fridays a live show where we just kind of talk about our takes on the episodes and the movies, what we thought before we really researched it, what we thought after, and then we will post it to our podcast feed on Mondays. So you're getting something every week because right now doing one episode a week of the main episodes is not feasible. Yeah. It takes a really long time to edit. Speaking of which, if anybody does any freelance editing, send us a DM. (laughs) Do what? I said send us a DM if you are a freelance editor. (laughs) Please do. The idea is these are going to be more conversational. We're not really going to edit them down. So they're probably going to sound very different than our main episodes. If you don't like that, that's okay. You don't have to listen. There's going to be two main parts of these. We are going to kind of first talk about like what our instant take was on these movies. And then we'll talk more about what we thought after, after we did research, after we learned more stuff, things like that. Mm -hmm. Just kind of our opinions on the movies. Feel free to jump in with anything. We don't have like a specific time where people can ask questions or anything just because we're just kind of seeing how this goes. But if you have any, feel free to ask or comment. (laughs) Always welcome. All right, on this mini, so we are going to cover the frozen ground. And I'm not going to lie, I had very low expectations for this. <laughs> My husband loves Nicolas Cage so much, but I'm just like, he's so corny. I just can't. But surprisingly, every time I watch a movie with him in it, I'm pleasantly surprised. It's never as bad as I think it's going to be. And it was the same with this one. I thought it was good. I mean, it was there were moments. But what I thought was most interesting is that it was direct-to-video. I mean, it was released in a few places, but it was mainly direct-to-video. And it wasn't until Netflix put it on their streaming service that it became as popular as it did. And at one point, it was number one for a week on Netflix. And that's how we right. got recommended it. Someone was watching it on netflix and said you should do this movie so what did you think so i had actually watched this i think before it was on netflix like a couple years ago they had it on amazon prime so when my husband was deployed i was watching like everything serial killer that existed on any streaming service because i'm home alone and why not and the first time i watched it i thought it was like pretty good decent i was excited to see vanessa hudgens and john cusack and same thing with nicholas cage my husband loves nicholas cage i'm surprised by how many nicholas cage movies exist but i'm usually playing pleasantly surprised by them. But the first time I watched it, I thought it was pretty good. This time when I rewatched it, having learned a little bit more about sex trafficking, I found it extra sad this time just because I have that background knowledge. And then I was just trying to focus on the individual performances because I used to be a huge John Cusack fan and trying to find like every John Cusack movie. And then I started to watch more Nicolas Cage stuff. So it was good to see, but it was definitely more depressing the more you know about the background. See, I thought it was less because I was like, this would never happen. This part, this doesn't happen. I'm the queen of doing that. I can't watch movies with people because I try to like give them what would really happen and they don't care, which rightfully so. <laughs> but before I researched it and it starts, you know, the movie starts with Cindy Paulson, like just after she's been attacked. And I was like, this is too in the middle of things. What the hell is going on? I really wish they had yeah. explained more because the first time I watched it, I was confused as to what the hell was happening. Yeah. But 
I did think John Cusack was creepy, and I was surprised. I thought they did a good job of basically revealing how scary he was until, Mm -hmm. like, pretty far, not far into the movie, but several minutes in, I would say. And fun fact, he did this movie because he wanted to go away from doing, like, romantic comedies. He was tired of doing them, so he took on this, and he did one other movie before that. And in the one other movie that him and Nicolas Cage have done together, it was the opposite. Nicolas Cage was the bad guy, and he was the cop. That was Con Air, which, again, my husband's a fan of. I've actually never seen it. Someone's going to yell at me for that. People love that movie. Yeah, people do love that movie. But yeah, overall, I thought it was like a decent movie, but it's not like compared to like watching Zodiac. Like Zodiac, I feel like I could watch over and over again. Right. I mean, if you want to, you can. (laughs) It's really dark. Like the thing about Zodiac that I think makes it so much better is that they are very purposely, they find ways to not make it so dark, even though it can be just so sad. Right. I did think initially, I remember the first time I saw this, I thought Vanessa Hudgens as Cindy Paulson was a little much. I thought I thought she was acting too much like a brat, to be honest. I didn't think that the real girl was like that. That's what I was kind of annoyed by. But when I watched, I watched a documentary kind of as a part of researching it. And when they showed that what she said to Nicolas Cage was actually very similar to what she actually said in her tape recorded interview, that made me like her more. Yeah. But the whole like dead sister thing, that drove me nuts. Also, yeah, that was too much. I didn't mention this in the main podcast, but they're trying to compare this girl getting kidnapped and raped to him losing his sister in a DWI accident. I mean, they are two very different things. Yeah. And I was like, this is a little touchy. I don't know if you want to be doing this. I don't think they would do that today. Right. And 50 Cent had no business being in there. I knew that part (laughs) couldn't have been true. I mean, he was fine. Just the pimp was not involved. (laughs) Yeah, he was fine. It was a side story that could be its own interesting movie, but that's not the point of this movie. But surprisingly, there were a lot of parts that I thought were corny that Mm -hmm. even critics, they were listing them as things that were not realistic. They were just cliches and they actually did happen. I mean, in getting into things I found out after I watched Mm -hmm. it, I saw a review and they were talking about how they have them very blatantly say in the movie, I'm quoting this, that you can't rape a prostitute. And Mm -hmm. that is actually something that Robert Hansen actually said to the police and they laughed and agreed with him. That was in the book that I read. So that was shocking. It's crazy. And there are certain things I don't know why they felt the need to do it. I don't know why they felt the need to pretend like he hit a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that was very weird to me. Like, just the extra drama plot line. And then it's weird that they had that subplot, but then he doesn't get rid of everything. He keeps some of the stuff. And it's like, it makes more sense that he never went and tried to get rid of things. Yeah. And then they used, I don't know if you caught on to this, but they basically tried to pretend like Nicolas Cage is basically bluffing and he goes and follows him to wherever he dumps this stuff in the woods in the wilderness in Alaska. And when he comes back, he has a bracelet that supposedly belonged to Sue Luna, and she never had a bracelet in real life. And he's trying to say that he found it and they know where he left all this evidence. And that never happened either. Basically, the yeah. entire ending interview, this it did really good about being realistic until that last interview, and then none of that happened. Yeah, that's frustrating. It's frustrating that Cindy Pulse in the first interview she does with Nicolas Cage, that was based, like you said, almost word for word on what she actually told police. But 
But then for the confession, we don't get the word for word what actually happened when he confessed. I think part of the reason is it was not as intense as what people would think. What was happening was he was set for trial for the kidnapping and rape of Cindy Paulson. And they were basically picking up more and more evidence. They during that time, they indicted him on that kidnapping and rape charge. And during the grand jury hearing, which is where you get indicted, they brought in those two alibis and they asked him to testify. And if they lied at that point, it was going to be perjury. So they found out the alibis were no good. They were able to determine there was one necklace found in his house and they determined that someone was able to identify that. It belonged to a girl that disappeared. There were a lot of things that were starting to come together. The guns, they Mm -hmm. determined the guns were the guns that shot those casings. And it was at that point that he talked to his lawyers and they decided that they were going to go ahead and speak with the DA because they knew that they at least had him on four murders and they were going to be able to get him with more. And so the deal was with the four, they were very sure they had pretty good evidence with. He would plea to those. And then he did not plead guilty to the rest of them. He took responsibility for them, but he was not convicted for them. And the purpose of that was to find the bodies. So I don't Mm -hmm. think I mentioned that. I think I mentioned that he ended up confessing to several murders, but he was only convicted of four of them. Right. The other thing I didn't get into, which I had seven minutes of extra audio that I took it out because it was going to become a two hour episode. It was just going to be too much. So I took it out. Right. But his background was significant. And that's another thing the movie did not explain. They talk about how when Cindy Paulson's being interviewed, they're like, this guy has no criminal history. And then all of a sudden later, Nicolas Cage is saying, what do you guys know about Bob Hansen? Like he has all this criminal background and they never explain how that miscommunication happened. And we explained that in the episode. It was a computer glitch. Basically, they were updating their software, but I didn't get to talk about that very much. So going a little bit into his childhood and stuff, Mm -hmm. he was born in Iowa. His father was a Danish immigrant who also owned a bakery. And this dad was extremely hard on him. And he would have him work in this bakery very long hours. He also, and we've seen this before, he was left-handed, but his parents made him right with his right hand. And apparently, I heard this since then, that is, like, psychologically, <laughs> that's not good for your kid. I didn't know that was that bad. Yeah. I, like, heard that it can, con- like, it lead your kid to be confused, but I didn't know, like, how bad psychologically. I definitely have a cousin that is left-handed. She's left-handed, but she can write with both because they try to make her use both. But she's normal. She's doing She's well. not a serial killer. <laughs> But even in Zodiac, it was the same thing. These left-handed people that are forced to write with the right hand. So that was another thing. He had a horrible stutter. He had horrible acne that left him with scars. Boys bullied him as a kid. Girls rejected him. He never really found his place. He ultimately would join the army. And it was while he was in the army that he had, and this is important too, he had his first sexual experience. It was with a sex worker. And it was at this time that he determined that if he was going to be paying for that, then he was going to be the one to have control. So that is why he continually kept going back to them. But he saw them as subhuman. And then after he gets back, he's doing okay. He's working as a drill sergeant. And then he burnt down the big building where all the buses from the school he went to growing up, he burnt that Mm -hmm. building down completely. And he said the reason that he did that was because of all the bullying that happened when he was in school. Like, it was his revenge. Mm -hmm. And it was also around this time when he was arrested. He wasn't convicted yet of that. But when he was arrested, he married his first wife. He was married twice. I didn't talk about that in the episode either. Mm -hmm. And when he was arrested, the family of this woman, they did not want them 
to stay together. And he kept saying, I'm innocent of this. I didn't do this. And then when he finally pled and was convicted, she divorced him. And that was also at the time that his parents also were so embarrassed of this whole ordeal that they sold their bakery and they moved to Minnesota and they opened up a resort. Hmm. And it was also at this time, I didn't get into this either. That was when he was diagnosed with, I believe, schizophrenia. And he had tendencies to have anger outbursts and he would want revenge on people. So that's Mm -hmm. also where this came from. But that is why he never had a pilot's license. The entire time he was flying, he never had one. And that's why he had to sneak around with his planes. Which then I wonder, like, would you get away with that today? Does it just depend how big the airport is that you're flying in and out of that they don't check your license? I don't know. Because remember, we were talking about that when we were first recording this. I had that written down that way that he didn't have a license. And then I said, that can't be right. I've got to go back and check this. And it was true. I don't think you would. I think that it had to be at a time that this was happening and how small that airport was. Yeah. But it was after that point that he met and married his current wife. And he was still having these regular thefts all the time. Mm -hmm. And they were just petty thefts. That's when they go to Alaska. And they do mention these two crimes in the movie is in 1971. He basically stalked the real estate agent. It was a woman. Then he broke into her house and tried to kidnap and rape her. And then while he was on bond for that is when he sexually assaulted a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And he ended up doing time for the assault. But they dropped the rape completely. So, so that was that was smart. Yeah. yeah. And then he's just succeeding in this bakery. I'm like, Damn. I mean, I don't know the people that I buy my donuts from, but (laughs) it's so insane to me. To be fair, or just devil's advocate on that, though, it could be very possible that the victim in that case disappeared. They couldn't find her and there was nothing they could do. Right. Yeah. Oh, some fun facts. Did you notice there were two people I noticed immediately from TV shows that were in this? No, I didn't notice. Okay. There was Dean Norris, who's in Breaking Bad. Okay. And then there was Kevin Dunn, who was in Veep. Oh. Have you not watched either one of those? I've seen like a couple episodes of Beep, but I haven't watched Breaking Bad. People are not going to like me. I don't really like Breaking Bad. I like the last part, but I can't get I can't get through the first season. I can't stand it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think I did a post on this, but they did actually film this in Alaska. And the director, it was a little ballsy just to have these things that he wanted to be done. Mm -hmm. He wanted to film it there. He delayed filming it for five months so that it was closer Mm -hmm. to winter. They had to send cargo ships from, I believe it was Washington State, up to Alaska to get all this stuff up there to film all of this. Like, it took a while. Yeah. And then once they got there, he wanted to film all of the scenes that took place in Robert Hansen's house. He mm-hmm. wanted those filmed in the actual basement because oh, wow. it's it's still there. It still looks the same. And they were going to do it. And then it was logistical reasons that they couldn't do it. But they fully planned mm-hmm. to use this basement, which I would not be comfortable with. Yeah, that's a lot. Something that was pointed out to me when I was watching the FBI files on this is... Like, I don't know why I didn't think about it, but like the days are shorter and the darkness is more all the time in Alaska. And so then like, you know, psychologically, it's like, oh, I can go to the bar because it's dark out. Like, and then I could see how the seedy, like underground scene of like strip clubs and everything would really explode with like the oil boom that was happening. And then it's like dark out all the time. And I just feel like it would be a wild time to live there. The way the documentary I watched explained it, they were like, a lot of men were going up there for this oil boom, like we talked about. And they made it seem like... Like, where men are going, women are following. And I was like, well, they can follow, but not necessarily as sex workers. I think a big part of it had to do with that crime ring that we talked about. And this crime ring would send women up there and they essentially put them into debt where they couldn't leave. Right. 
Oh, I was going to, um, you know how we were wondering, we were not sure at first whether or not Cindy Paulson actually spoke with the director. I ended up yeah. figuring out she did speak with him, but also Vanessa Hudgens spoke with her quite a bit. Oh, wow. Robert Hansen cool. did try to contact the director and he tried to point out that he denied everything that happened. He tried to deny the things in the movie happened, which was oh, shocking. Yeah. And this was 2013. He died in 2014. So that was right towards the end of his life. Right. Oh, ew. <laughs> Yeah. Creeps me out extra. It is. Last thing, they kept Nicolas Cage and John Cusack separate from each other as they were making this. Oh, really? Because they didn't want them, like, bonding? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't let them be around each other. I thought John Cusack did a good job of playing creepy passes for normal guy. Oh, that's, yeah, I thought he did. He was my favorite part of it. I thought he was scary. I also think he kind of looks like him. Yeah, he actually does. If I picked a performance from this movie, it would be for him. I really liked him. It's hard. Yeah, because I really liked him, but then I also actually really liked Vanessa Hudgens playing Cindy Paulson. I think I liked it more this time that I watched it and having a little more background about, like I said, sex trafficking and experience with victims. The first time I watched it, I don't know that anyone like particularly stood out to me. But like I said, first time I watched it, I was literally watching like everything serial killer that was on Netflix or Prime. I was in a hole. (laughs) Did you do a lot of prostitution cases? I'm saying that, okay, just to be clear, when you're charged with sex work, where it is illegal, you're charged with prostitution. That's why I'm saying that. But did Mm -hmm. you do a lot of those cases? I kind of worked on the back end of helping people get it vacated off their record if they were a victim of sex trafficking at the time and then have this prostitution charge on their record. But when I first started, they had a lot of people coming in with those. But by the end, they weren't really arresting people for them. But I never did anything on the back end. You did a lot of post-conviction stuff, like expunctions <laughs> yeah, and non-disclosure. I okay. I was more in the beforehand. Yeah. So you know the, like, when you're like, that would not happen with the interviews and the processes. I'm like, yeah, Bolton knows. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. I just want to say this too. Like, so Nicolas Cage in, this is the main reason why the interview with John Cusack is unrealistic, is Nicolas Cage is so aggressive with him. It's not to say that people are not aggressive, but you're not going to get anywhere with him. So it's yeah. much more efficient to talk to them like another human. Mm-hmm. And then if you have to get a little bit more, like, you know, I know there's things you know that aren't true because we know them. That's what you do. You don't scream at them. It will right. not work. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. We're hitting about 25 minutes. Thank you so much for coming to our first mini app. We'll do more of these and we'll have them a little more organized, kind of see what we're going to do. If you have questions, send them in. We'll answer them. And we have In Cold Blood next week. Mm-hmm. That should be interesting. I'm working on that right now. Grace, this is actually the first time I'm seeing her like sitting up. She hurt her back and was laying down <laughs> on the ground as we recorded. And it was, it was, I felt so bad. I was laying down for a long time, but I'm up now. And In Cold Blood has so many fun facts. So I'm very excited for that episode to come out and the mini zone sounds good all righty i will see you later all right see ya thanks guys bye bye, bye.